0: Welcome to Putting the Real in Real Estate, the podcast about all things real estate, all things local, and all things life, where we hope to inform, entertain, and inspire. What's up, everybody? Welcome into episode four of putting the reel in real estate. I'm your host, Glenn Hockersmith. And as always, I want to thank you for taking precious time out of your day to spend it with us. Today on the show, we have a special guest, Lincoln Crum with Lincoln Crum Realty and Auctions. He's a good friend of mine, a great auctioneer, and just a great overall person. I think you're really going to enjoy that interview. It's a bit of a long one, so I'm not going to waste too much of your time here, but I do want to speak to you about some statistics that just came out yesterday um, from the Indiana Association of Realtors. It kind of puts a bow on 2019 home sales. So December of 2019 was another strong month statewide, and it actually pulled 2019 ahead of 2018. So it was another record-breaking year. Home prices are still on the rise. Inventory has yet to satisfy demand and competition is still pretty fierce out there. So realtors are very, very optimistic about 2020. And uh, we don't really expect market conditions to change much this year unless something dramatic happens with new construction or employment and wages. And, you know, no one can predict the future, but we really don't see any major changes, interest rates are still low and they're predicted to remain low at least throughout this year. And so let's get into this real quick. Uh, Statewide, here's how 2019 compared to 2018. Closed home sales increased modestly 0.3% to 89,386. Median sales price of homes increased 7.2% to 169.9. That's a pretty big jump there. Uh, and the average sales price increased 5.9% to 198.170. So while we still enjoy very affordable housing here in Indiana and Kentucky as compared to many places around the country, we are catching up every year. Those sales prices are steadily increasing year over year. The percentage of original list price received at sale increased 0.1% to 96.4%. So that tells us that if you are a buyer or a buyer's agent, you need to be out there writing strong offers. Uh, you're not going to come in and lowball somebody and, and be very successful unless they are you know, overpriced. And agents are pretty, pretty savvy these days. They're listing homes right where they should be and sometimes even lower to cause a bidding war. So keep that in mind, especially if you're shopping in that sweet spot. $100,000 and $250,000. Right strong offers. Pending home sales increased one and a half percent to 91360 And here's a very important one. New listings decreased 0.9% to 108155 So what does all this tell us about the 2020 market? What does it mean to you as a realtor? What does it mean to you as a buyer or you as a seller? Well, it tells us that prices are continuing to increase. Inventory is still low and demand is still high. So looking at 2020, I would expect, obviously I'm, I'm not a fortune teller. I can't predict the future, but based on everything I know, I would expect the market to continue to increase inventory to remain low and it'd still be a strong seller's market. So if you're a buyer, that doesn't mean it's not time to buy just because it's a strong seller's market, because guess what? It may be a stronger seller's market next year. So if you're ready to buy a home, interest rates are low now. Don't wait till next year when you know that, that home price may rise another 5 or 6%. Get in now if you're ready, and uh, if prices continue to rise, then then guess what? You've got that much more equity in your home. And if you're a home seller, uh, I know you may be thinking, well, if prices continue to rise, it's not going to hurt me to wait another year. I may make another 6%. Well, guess what? Most of the time, you're also going to be buying a home. So you have to take that into consideration as well. So if you have any questions, if you want to have a conversation with me about how I can best serve you in buying or selling a home, feel free to give me a call at 502-645-6195 or shoot me an email, Glenn Hawkersmith at shulervauer.com, I would be more than happy to have a conversation with you about that, how I could help you. Or if you just need some advice uh, or have a, a, a real estate question in general, I would be happy to answer that question for you. If I don't have the answer, I will find it or put you in touch with someone who does. So I'm going to shut up now and we're going to get to today's guest. I hope you enjoy. Today's guest is the embodiment of the tagline for this show, which of course is all things real estate, all things local, and all things life. He's an entrepreneur, a broker owner of a local real estate company, MC, and a second generation auctioneer. He's a husband, father, and self-described kick-ass grandfather. He's a lifelong resident of Clark County, Indiana, fellow Jeffersonville High School graduate, go Red Devils, and perhaps most importantly to him, an unapologetic lover and promoter of all things local. I'd like to welcome to the show, Lincoln Crumb and his glorious beard. Lincoln, welcome in. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you stopping by and sitting down with us. You bet.
1: Glad to be here.
0: So um, I want to start just by saying um, you are a great friend and, and mentor to me and and uh, I've known you for quite a while, our our relationship. It didn't start with real estate. I knew you from mm-hmm. the days back at Jeffersonville High School, and, mm-hmm. and my sister knew you as well, but- Go Big Red. Yes, you, uh, you ended up helping me and my sister sell a property, um, when my father passed away, it was a rental property that he had and it was kind of a tough situation, a short sale situation. You helped us out with that.
1: In Linden, you know what I remember the most? Two things. What's that? The relief on you and your sister's face when we got it done and the tiny, small amount of commission that I made on that one, <laughs> even though... <laughs> and it the was large in the, amount of work. <laughs> and it was the middle of the crash. <laughs> so I was glad to have it.
0: Absolutely. I, but bet. that whole, um, episode... Really, I gained a lot of respect for you in that because I knew you weren't making a lot of money off of it, and you worked your you worked your ass off on mm-hmm. it, and you got it done. So that, and then before I got into real estate, when me and my wife bought our current house that we're sitting in right now, we uh, had a situation where the where the home appraised lower than what we offered for it, and uh, you, along with the listing agent, you sacrificed a little bit for us, yeah. and 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 worked through that deal, and that kind of. It turned me off to real estate for a little while, just because I felt like I'd been through the ringer on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, but really, when I started looking back on it, I realized that had we not had great representation, we wouldn't be in this house right now. That deal would have fallen through, and and we would have never never got this this house that turned out to be perfect for our family. So having said all that, I, I just say that to say you've been a, a real inspiration to me. You're a mentor to me. I know I can call you. We're kind of in this business it's kind of weird because yes, we are all competitors, but we're friends as well. And that's that's what I think of you first and foremost. And I know I can pick up the phone and call you anytime and you're gonna help me out. So I just wanted Thank to get you. that out of the way.
1: Yeah. Um I had something I wanted to add to that. So sure. before you bought this house you had to sell Uh, her house. And it had been on the market for like six months. It was a tough time. You're like, man, what are we going to do? And I came and met with you and I said, let me make a video about it. And I made a video. I was the only one doing video at that time for listings and stuff like that. And we made a video and um, for some reason, something happened. We came back at the same price as a new listing. Um, The market shifted or the right buyer came along. We captured that. We took advantage of that, which allowed you all to move here. So it was the closing of one chapter and the starting of a next, a transition. That's what makes me real happy to have memories with people that I can help them in a positive standpoint, go through that transition in life. So yeah, I'm sitting there smiling, thinking about those transactions and you know, dude, that's why we do what we do.
0: Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned that because she had listed with another agent. She tried for sale by owner. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the answer was always drop the price, drop the price, drop the price. Well, she couldn't drop the price. She had a number. She had to get it out of that home. And, and we turned to you and, uh, you got it sold pretty quick. And you mentioned the whole social media thing. And that's, that's something I wanted to talk Mm -hmm. to you about as well, because I remember you were the first guy, at least in this area, you were the pioneer with that. Um, yeah. Making videos video. on social media. You know media. why?
1: Because I couldn't sell any property. <laughs> I just sold my real estate company and we were broke as a joke, man. We couldn't sell anything. Properties were on the market 120, 150 days average on market. And then if you could get somebody sold, you got to get them financed. And uh, money was tight. And so we had to do whatever we had to create um, some type of sense of awareness about what we do. I thought video was a way for me to really springboard that. And it take, took me probably 100 to 150 for people to take notice. But once they did, it paid off. It really did. I really am glad 10 years ago, I was making crappy little videos with my flip cam. <laughs> I, I yeah. get paid for it today. Honestly, you know, people talk about money. We were talking about this earlier. People talk about money you make off of ancillary or extra stuff in the businesses. Man, to get paid to do something, you get paid through the form of the commission of what you do, what you tell the community you do. Sponsorships and all that, I love all that if people want to participate. But really, fact of the matter is, by creating more awareness about who you are in your mission, people are going to ask you to help them through what they need. And usually that's tied to a commission. And you get paid. So the work that you do as a podcaster, the work I do as a videographer, you got to look at it as a big picture that this is just coming to us in full circle so, the work we got to do every day, whether we get paid for this part of it or not, it's great advertising. Man, I remember being in this business 30 plus years ago, and a newspaper ad was six, seven hundred bucks a spot, one time, one insertion. Glad those days are over. Right,
0: right. And really, I mean, if you're in real estate or any business really right now, if you're not taking advantage of social media, you're crazy. It's free advertising. I just mm-hmm. think back to those days that you were just talking about. How much would it cost you to buy a commercial on TV or on the radio? Oh, yeah. It was very, very cost prohibitive. But now you've got, $5, you've got this tool minimum. in your hand and you can broadcast to the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, uh, we Gen Xers and boomers. I'm not a boomer, by the way.
0: Not far. <laughs> he
1: just looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a middle-aged boomer. I'm the best looking 75 year old dude you'll ever see. <laughs> but we can take advantage from watching how these millennials and Gen Z demographics use social media and uh, you don't sell to them. You interact and engage with them. And I try to do that every day in my business. And uh, that's, that's really important when it comes to social media. You got to be authentic. You have to be organic, and especially on a local level. You got to be exactly the way you are at, Old Town Grocery or Walgreens or Kroger, wherever you are, you're that same person. So make sure you're true to yourself online
0: as well as you are offline. Sure. And it's all about awareness, content, and providing something of value to people and and potential clients. So I want to talk to you about your history growing up. You, uh, you know, your father was an auctioneer. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned your your grandfather was a farmer. Mm -hmm. People who live here local in southern indiana they probably heard of the meadows subdivision and that was that was your family's farm correct
1: it was we started at the indiana army ammunition plant my both sets of grandparents had farms up there the crumbs had a farm and the prathers had a farm and the prather was my great grandmother and her 160 acre farm is where amazon is right now and uh, in 1941 42 time frame they had to sell everything because the war and they ended up, they went to Kentucky for a short time, and then they came back to Indiana and bought this farm in Jeffersonville. And in 1969, the year I was born, they put a deal together with a developer named Dan Connor, and he came in and he developed the whole thing, 650 homes. So my grandfather and father grew up with crops of soybeans and you know livestock in their yard, and I grew up with crops of three-bed, one-bath ranches <laughs> for sale for 24 <laughs> 9 at an interest rate of 12, 18, 20% from 1978 to 1983. And for some reason I was intrigued about those things, not just the people that live there, but by the trend of the houses that were built, the styles, how much they were bringing. I knew then what I know now, I bought every one of them back then if I could have.
0: (laughs) I think we could all say that at some point. So, you know, the first few episodes, of this podcast, we 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 talked a lot about career transitions. You, I think you're you're kind of rare where you you grew up in real estate. You didn't really have a choice, did you? No, not really. <laughs> it was just kind of ingrained in you and, and part of who you are, as well as the auction business. Mm-hmm. I know you've you also have been a, an entrepreneur. You owned, yeah uh, yeah. Some, <laughs> you some have...
1: things worked, some <laughs> things didn't. Mm-hmm. Right? Here's but that... what here's here's what happened to us. I grew up in the auction business. My dad became an auctioneer in 1977. He went to auction school in 76 on a federal grant because he didn't have any money. He had three little kids. He didn't know how he was going to do it. And he got into buying and selling antiques. And we owned a you pick vegetable farm on Hamburg Pike. That's when I learned the value of a tip. Sure. Carry green beans to somebody's car. And then, you know, sound like an old man from the uh, the, uh, 1900s but 50 cent tip, you know, that was awesome. I learned the power of that. So I'd smile. And the more I do that, the more tips I get. I'm like, this is something here. There's something here with me selling something. So I always grew up in a sales-based environment. And my dad, when he went to auction school, I was, I don't know, seven, eight years old. When he came home, I was just a staple around the auctions all the time, setting up auctions Um, spent my whole life setting up, learning how auctions work. Kids in high school, hey, you want to come set up auctions? Make five bucks an hour. Get paid that day. It's not fast food. So we do a lot of auctions. But my junior year of high school, he decided it'd be a good idea for me to go to auctioneering school. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. Whatever. I'm not going to become an auctioneer. I'll never be an auctioneer. I said that a
0: lot. Don't say things like that you just didn't want to do what your old man did or you just weren't interested.
1: I was was a cheerleader in high school, man. You know, I was going (laughs) to go cheer somewhere. That's a lot more fun than calling an auction on a Saturday morning. I want to be cheering a football game or a basketball game. But, um, so I got my real estate and auction license my senior year. And right after we graduated high school, my dad as an auctioneer was diagnosed with throat cancer. And so, um, you know, luckily he had a licensed auctioneer on staff and I made a two year commitment. And um, just dove headfirst into the business with him. And we saved the business. And we worked together for 15 years. And uh, then I left on my own and started doing my own real estate and auction stuff. And he continued to do his own real estate and appraisal and auction stuff and consulting. And uh, he spent, you know, 30 years after having his throat cancer, living, working the real estate and the auction business.
0: Let me, let me just touch on that because to me, that's, that's really interesting that, you know, someone who makes a living with their voice ends up getting throat cancer. The
1: ironies of life, my friend. Yeah. How
0: did, how did he deal with that? Was that, I imagine that would be just devastating.
1: Yeah, it was. He was amazing. He, uh,
0: here's what he did.
1: He decided that he was not going to let that, control his destiny. And he was going to take control. So he took control and he had a uh, voice prosthesis done called the Blum Singer. And they had a our um, procedure and they have a prosthesis that you put in your throat and it's got a little, uh, what am I thinking, a filter on it, mm-hmm. air filter, and it puts it in there and he sounds like this. That's sure. how he sounded. Well, he could talk. He didn't have much volume, but he could talk. And he found the company that made that um, device and flew to California and knocked on the door of the CEO and the secretary said well we don't take walk-in appointments dad said let him know who I am and this is why I'm here and he got an appointment and he stood at the guy's desk and told him why they needed a injectomy out there selling their product and talking about their product at all these trade and conventions and medical shows and he hired him on the spot. Oh, wow. And he spent um, almost 30 years as a consultant for them. So he took lemonade and made, you know, lemonade for everybody. And he was world-renowned for being this auctioneer that lost his voice. But really what it did, Glenn, is it allowed him to find his inner voice that he, he uh, had not released yet. And he became very iconic and uh, left a great legacy for us, and left us a lot of work. He was, I was very lucky. He left me his 812-282-6043 phone number that has rang to a crumb desk since 77, and it rings to my desk now. And honestly, man, you know, a 40-year-old number that people have been calling to get help with real estate and auction stuff for 40 years, and that now rings to my desk that's a million dollar gift. Thank you, Dad.
0: Yeah, that's that's uh that's pretty significant. That's that's it's, <laughs> it's awesome. almost kinda hard to put into words what it's, what you that know, it, means. It's funny when I
1: hear realtors talk about lead generation what do you gotta do to get the phone ring? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do I gotta do to make sure all these phone calls get called back? Right. Wasn't that way ten years ago? Sure. So I never lose sight in the power of, you know, let's 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 work these calls that we have, let's help people. People are calling us for a reason. My dad used to say People pay you to be a real estate professional or an auctioneer because they can't do it themselves. The percentage that they pay you is the amount they're willing to pay, so they don't have to do it themselves. Make sure they get their money's worth.
0: That's a great philosophy. I mean, it we really, could, is. we could all, everyone, try us. to remember that every mm-hmm. day when we're when we are doing the business. So.
1: so we, I learned all as many of the basics as you could about real estate and auction and valuation and appraisals. My dad was a great appraiser. I learned a lot of that from him. And, um, but my dad was a real one man show. He had Laura, my cousin works for him and, uh, she ended up, um, getting the storage facility that he built and he was very loyal, but he was good with him and one or two other people. Me on the other hand, for some reason, I don't know why. I'm better in that five to 10 range. 10 makes me a little bit nervous. I've had as many as 60 employees under my watch and uh, anywhere from teenagers all the way to full grown adults. And uh, right now we're at about five or six and I really like that number for our company. Um, Allows me to make sure I can connect with everybody one-on-one. If I get more than five or six, man, it's tough to stay connected with everybody and the type of small business owner I am is I got to be connected to everybody all the time.
0: Sure. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, and we've talked about this before on previous episodes, the fact that, you know, even if you're a single agent, you're running a business Mm -hmm. and at some point, hopefully it's going to get to a point where you're going to need help. And it can be tough sometimes to turn some of those responsibilities over to someone else especially if you're a perfectionist if you're used Mm -hmm. to 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 doing everything yourself so did you struggle with that did you go through a transition period where it was tough for you Mm -hmm. to to turn some of those responsibilities over and trust someone else to yeah handle your business the way you would
1: i was i was thinking that the other day and i've had some unbelievable awesome people help me in 32 years of doing this and i love every one of them and i appreciate them helping me get to this point I've done it like five or six times, man, and I've you, reset yeah. back to zero. Sure. And, uh, but right now I'm the one that runs a lot of that stuff that I've paid people to do in the past, um, because it's my business and I need to be paying my attention to it. And, uh, if you want to own your business or your business own you, and so I'm kind of back to the basics, you know, sure. as this new decade starts, this, um, new transition of our company from being a, you know, typical traditional live cry. I've got 50,000 now, 60, 70, 70, 75, 580, 990, 100,000. Who will give 110 for this awesome house to a computer doing it, you know? And so we've had some real transitions. I've had to transition from being that person that's up in front of a lot of people all the time to now I'm just looking at a computer screen. And um, so we've learned how to utilize social media, um, charity auctions, emceeing of events, being out in the community as the new chant, is the new big call, the way you interact with people. And realtors and auctioneers and people in the service profession, if they're not utilizing social media to allow them to do that and parlay and be in more places at, at one time, you're making a mistake. Yeah,
0: you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage. So, in your auction business, am I correct? You you are one hundred percent online now. Do you yeah, do any all live of this auction stuff, now?
1: Um, I do charity auctions and MCs, um, MC events. But as far as the items that we auction, we're all online. And we're uh, we started almost four years ago, and we are in our five hundredths auction i think we're at 518 today since we started and uh over 350 clients and really have discovered that the best way to sell that stuff is online
0: yeah well you open yourself up to not only the i would imagine small group of people locally who attend auctions to anyone anywhere in the world so you could if you yep. have yeah, we were kind of talking earlier about um Someone who I know and I won't get into specifics, but who has a, a large collection of something in their mm-hmm. home that is very valuable to them but may not be valuable to someone else. Well, if you can put that online and open open the possibilities up to the whole world, I guarantee there's someone else out there in the world who values that item just as much as this person does and maybe even more.
1: They are and we can't get to them in the live cry as easy as we can with a online and people are conditioned to buy an online man. We shipped, we, we spent $80 shipping. So like 60 umbrellas to somebody the other day, they wanted all these umbrellas. I'm like, why would you spend $80 in shipping for those umbrellas? But you know what? It doesn't matter. I don't care. Really? It's fun that they did it. You know, it's neat that these umbrellas sold and they didn't end up in a landfill But my dad used to always say, what people would rather have than money never ceases to amaze him. And that's that's the truth. But you know, Glenn, we do have a real serious problem with all this stuff. All these uh, greatest generation 80 and over, all these boomers, man, they've got a lot of stuff and their kids don't want it. Their grandkids don't want it. And the most important thing is their grandkids ain't even going to help them clean it up. Right. And so when I realized that online is the way to leverage doing more of those auctions than live because it didn't have the physical constraint, because I don't want to do a live craft five auctions a week, four auctions a week. That's not me. I'm a business owner that is an auctioneer. I'm not a big caller and there is a difference. And so once I realized that and I looked, it it made the most sense that stuff that all these people have in their house, all the things that they have been saving their whole life to give to their children, the carnival glass, the depression glass, all the fiesta ware, all of the mid century modern furniture, the brown furniture, all that nobody wants it.
0: You are one hundred percent right. And and that's something that's very interesting. And I've seen you know, just dealing with younger clients is they are not into the big mega mansion. They're not into owning a bunch of material things anymore. They're more into experiences, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If they
1: want grandma's story, they're fine with helping capture that story on a Facebook Live and sharing it with everybody. But when it comes to filtering everything out and taking stuff to goodwill and, you know, doing this and getting rid of it, they don't have time, and they don't have time, and it's not a priority. And you know what? It's okay that stuff is um, not a time priority. This is an early shift back to what we hope. So that's why we really do produce as much reclaim, repurpose, reuse, resell, redistribute sure. as possible.
0: And that's cool that you that, that is a popular thing now. Everyone wants to repurpose, mm-hmm. uh, especially in, in their homes. Old barn wood. Whatever you can think of, that's that's a, a trend. And I hope it's not a trend. I hope it's something that I think that it's a, a continues.
1: A, you know, one of the things we've seen, you know, we've thrown a lot of stuff in a landfill, not because we want to, but because it has no value. And the more you move it, the more you touch it, the more you have invested in labor and moving something that doesn't have any value, you should stop doing that. But after four years almost, we've come up with a system where we can reclaim and redistribute everything from the clothes. we got five nursing homes we get clothes to from half bottle open of laundry detergent that's left at somebody's house to boxes of Kleenexes, all that. We get it. We take it in our warehouse. We repackage it and we get it in the hands of people at a homeless shelter. North Clark Outreach up at Ruthie Jackson up in Charlestown. Man, I'm telling you, we are here to put as little in the um, landfill as possible. But people also have to understand There is a fee to clean out these houses and whether it's you and your family doing it or you're paying somebody to do it. And when I started this five years ago, there was really no service set up to we'll come in, we'll reclaim anything of value and resell it and give you a percentage back. And then stuff, if we need to throw it away or redistribute it, we'll do that too. So we provide a whole service for folks. It's not free. It's not a free service. Somebody has to do it, whether you all do it or you pay somebody to do it. I'm just glad we created that service and created that part of our market because there are some people that would gladly pay X amount of dollars, $1,500 to $5,000, so they don't have to do it and they can get it done because the real situation is when you go to sell your most valuable asset, which is the
0: The house, the home,
1: the home, if you have $3,000 worth of stuff um, with a negative $10,000 impact because it's all in the house, you're losing 7,000 bucks. Absolutely. So you get the three out and you gain 10 to 15. And when the collective value of the stuff itself is less, uh, is worth less than the space in which it occupies, it's time to sell it.
0: Sure. And it, it's hard for people to understand that sometimes they're, they're emotionally connected to yeah. that stuff. And, and, and it, here's
1: what happens, Glenn. I tell people this all the time. You have, you start with the greatest intentions. We're going to go in, we're going to clean out mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or aunt and uncle's house. We're going to get through it. Next thing you know, your first box you find is the photo albums where you'll make sure they're good. So you sit down at the kitchen table three hours later, you've been looking at photos. you got transitional paralysis. Mm-hmm. You can't move. You can't cope. So what I do is I go and I say, you get everything out that you want. I come in when you get out what you want. The rest, it doesn't matter what it brings what matters is it's gonna be out of the house in forty-eight hours. That helps create that cut. Sure. You know, that separation of the emotional separation. And that's what's so difficult for people. And unfortunately, we get more emotionally tied to stuff that has no or negative negative value than the real asset.
0: Sure. So I can tell, and this is something that I really respect about you. That's that's where you're heart is and that's helping helping these people who need this service that you provide that you are fortunate enough to be able to provide it and and provide a living for your family on Mm -hmm. it as well but it makes it all that much better when it's something that you can really believe in and that you really feel in your heart i know you know your father has passed away your mother's in assisted living Mm -hmm. right now so i know it touches you a little bit closer to home right now than than it might for you know some others who haven't dealt with that situation. Yeah.
1: It's tough. You know, I had to clean out dad's house last year and I took my crew in there and we were there all day long and he was an auctioneer. So he had a bunch of crap. God mm-hmm. love him. But I had to go through that experience. I had to go through his stuff. I had to clean out his underwear drawer, clean out his medicine cabinet. You know, I had to do all of that. Not because I wanted to but because I had to. You had to, yeah. And so, honestly, it's given me wonderful perception for my clients to understand that I get what they're going through. Sure. You know? That was one of the lessons that dad left me, is it's got you there, it gives you their perspective. So you can honestly sit across the table from them now and say, man, I know what you're going through. I had to go through it. I get all the difficult stuff. So now... It's a little notch in my belt for my client base. Now it's not a GRI or a CAI or any designation that you pay Mm $1,500 to get initials behind your name. It's a real world stuff. And I want to share that with people. I want to help them process it. Teach them how you organize your photos and get those out of the picture first. How you do this, how you do that, the steps of it. I wish I could scale what I do. I'd be in every city across America telling people how to do this. But for now, we just, you know, run out of our 20,000 square foot warehouse in downtown <laughs> Jeffersonville. And really, I like to think, relieve the pressure for people. Like, we're that little button at the top of the pressure cooker, you know, your grandma used to make with pressure cooker stuff. Mm-hmm. And you touch it and it relieves the pressure. That's an estate boiling sure. with kids and everybody's mad at each other and everybody thinks somebody's trying to steal their money and this. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're fighting about stuff that has no value. They're fighting about stuff that they've never resolved. And I kind of come in from a referee standpoint, get a big smile on my face, comb my beard out. So I look a little bit like summer <laughs> Santa Claus and I'm like, okay, what do we got to do to get from point A to point B? And I coach them through it, transition through it, walk through it, step through it. I took my son, Ethan, with me on some sales appointments a couple of months ago, and we did five in one day. Three of the five appointments we had crying people in sure. that appointment. Ethan's like, shoo, that's tough. What do you do? I go, if you got clients that sit there next to you crying, you cry with them, man.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: You feel with them. Sure. And so you can't put a value on that. You can't, you can't market that. You can't, the only thing you can do is what you mentioned earlier is that right there is investing in your word of mouth advertising campaign because you're being true. You're being authentic. You're being organic in the way that you help people. You know, I've heard the word conscious capitalist these days. I don't know if I really love that word, but I like, um, moral and socially aware, small business owners in our local community. That's the big deal for me. And you know, our elderly, look, our elderly, our older people are transitioning. All these boomers, all 78 million of them, they need our help.
0: There's a lot of them out there and there's a huge need, uh, not only for the services that that we've been discussing, but go try to find a nice patio home Mm -hmm. that has no stairs, that has wide entrances for a wheelchair Mm -hmm. that... Isn't going to cost you an arm and a leg. Mm-hmm. There's a huge, huge demand for that right now, and I, 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 I don't see it being met at the moment. And I hope, I hope <laughs> that it begins to be to be met. What, what do you think about that? What do,
1: you, what, oh, I don't know, I don't think about that at all. <laughs> uh, sarcastic emoji. <laughs> You know, I remember when Dick Inman built the first patio homes at Middle Road Schoolhouse at Middle Road and Allison Lane in Jeffersonville. And everybody's like, what is he doing? It's got a brick wall all the way around it. My grandfather called them prison houses. (laughs) He was a visionary. He was. I sold him a couple pieces of property. I got to know him from a real estate perspective. He was a brilliant man. And he was a visionary in our community. And he saw that there was a real strong need for this type of housing. We're 6,000 housing units short in Clark County alone. We're in deep shit when it comes to inventory and in, in inventory, we'll take 6,000 housing units or whatever, um, small family, you know, single family, multifamily, whatever. We got a lot of catching up to do. So, you know, I'm really intrigued by renovation projects, Mm -hmm. you know, where adaptive reuse, smart new construction, but we, we're pretty pricey, you know, and we're yeah. very high in the market right now. And so these patio homes that the older folks do want, can't even get them because the inventory isn't there here. But, you know, there's a really uh, interesting study that's going around in the real estate and the senior aging industry. And I'm, I really follow the senior aging stuff a lot, Glenn. It's really important to me because, you know, we ain't that far. I'm 50. Sure. Sure. Not far. I'm going to be senior. And, um, Louisville, Kentucky is the research and development capital of the country when it comes to senior aging and senior living and senior wellness. And um we have all the big medical players here in the senior world. So I hope that we can all learn from some of this research. But the one thing that I don't really hear people talking a lot about is how do you just emotionally get through the process? You know? And there is not enough support services in that. There is if you have Alzheimer's, if you have dementia, cancer, survival, all that. But just getting us through the process of grieving and getting through that next 30 days after your um, loved one passes away, you're a very tender moment right there. <laughs> Ironically, that's where I come in a lot of sure. times.
0: And if you're listening and you haven't been through it, you haven't lost a parent or a grandparent yet, it's, it's a very emotional time. It's a very stressful time because, as Lincoln mentioned earlier, it's, it's amazing what happens to family members mm. after a death. It's tough. People all of a sudden become very greedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, see, they see dollar signs, mm-hmm. and I don't care who you are or how wonderful your family is there's someone in your family who's that guy or that yep. or that girl yep. or lady so you're dealing with all of this stuff you're dealing with estate attorneys if you happen to be the executor and you're trying Accountant. to figure out yeah accountants what you're trying to figure out on top of your grief and in, in scheduling a funeral and trying to figure out how to get through all that you're dealing with this other stuff so anything that someone else can do and come in and kind of take some of that pressure, some of that stress off of you is, is super important. And, and that's kind of what you do.
1: Yeah. And you know, uh, my dad, my dad led a life by, you know, look here, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And then he did it. And the one thing that he did best, he went out really strong. He had a very detailed will. He had a very detailed relationship set up between his executor that he was named my cousin, Laura, who's amazing. She was fantastic. I wouldn't do it for any money in the world. And his good legal team, David Nahan, a local attorney in town. And he had a good plan. And any advice I tell people all the time, get your plan together. Not just your plan of your stuff and your house and all that, but get your legal plan together. Get your will. It's not that hard. It's not that expensive. Plenty of people that can do it don't really recommend doing your own, but you know, if somebody wants to get on legal zoom or do whatever they do, that's fine. Sure.
0: At least have something. Have something. I'm glad you said that because that was going to be one of my questions I asked you. If, if, you know, if you could give anyone one main important piece of advice on how to better prepare for that time, what would it be? And you kind of just asked, answered that question yeah. for me.
1: Yeah. You know, we've talked about, and we've created some a series of videos that just walks people through the 10 steps and we'll do that eventually when we're not so busy and we turn the video camera on more, but you know, all this leads into, we have a huge asset management problem um, that's coming and we at least have a crystal ball because, you know, we now have demographics and statistics, statistics, I guess measurements like we'd never have. And it's, we were talking about this before and it's this new uh, talk of this whole silver tsunami all these boomers and folks are 65 and over starting in 2030 and to 2035, we're going to see the biggest shift of population increase in this country. We've ever had, we have more people 65 and over than we will 18 and under the axis just absolutely flips. They're saying that's going to be the next recession type impact because there's going to be between 20 and 25 million pieces of real estate that people don't want. It's going sure. to dump onto the market. Southern Arizona, parts of New Mexico, parts of Texas, lines the coast down there, all of Florida. You know, so I I like following things like that because it tells us where our industry is going to be in the future. So if you truly are a real estate professional and you want to be in this business for a long time, you better be watching what's going to happen in 10, 15 years. Best way to do that is look at what happened 10, 15 years behind you. Mm -hmm. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? but this senior aging this senior housing is no joke and we have got to make sure that we as real estate professionals have all the tools in our pocket to help people through this part of it and we're going to see a we're going to see a real estate crash it's it's coming and just only because the elasticity of supply and demand gets out of whack and gets strong, you know gets pulled and you're going to have a ton of inventory and the thing is, the only buyers you're going to have are the investor buyers. You won't have mm-hmm. somebody who wants to buy as an owner-occupant because it's, they're a millennial. They don't sure. want that. They don't want that big McMansion.
0: Well, and even with the investment buyers, if you're buying a property as an investment, obviously there needs to be someone who wants to to buy that property back from you
1: yes <laughs> or it rent you, it
0: or rent it yes
1: and that's going to be the that's what it'll get through that play sure. they will turn the that housing into they'll, you know if you think about it on really big macro terms um what will happen is the market will correct itself by creating a whole other level of investor or buyer like ours when flippers 20 years ago did not exist mm-hmm. we didn't have a flip market 20 25 years ago now they're one of the most predominant people. They're the hungriest people, most aggressive people in the business. That'll happen with that type of real estate. You know what I mean? So all those houses, all that inventory, it'll, it'll get used for something. It just may not be all single family like it's been, or it may get torn down and build
0: sure. high rises. Well, and I think something that's interesting to look at now is looking at large retail malls, large oh, retail yeah. centers. That's that's interesting to me to watch that and see how that develops and what mm-hmm. what ends up happening to those large developments that were full of retail stores that we know now are struggling and going out of business every single day. How do we use that? So um,
1: they'll be reclaimed and repurposed as storage facilities to store the stuff that they ship to us that we don't want to store. So sure. we're gonna just or we don't want it in our house, so we'll just store it in a storage facility and pay them to own it.
0: Yeah, we already see some of that. Yeah. I um, was
1: in the storage business in the early nineties with my dad, and man, I'm telling you, that business is unbelievable. You know, locally Alan Muncie's done that uh arc storage over on Grantline Road mm-hmm. and has done as good of a job with the conversion. a conversion. Friend of mine, Kevin Wright, Andrew there, they've done as good of a job with a conversion as any conversion that we've had here locally. It is absolutely beautiful. We'll see more stuff like yeah. that.
0: And and you know, maybe,
1: you know, with these big malls, we may see some merge into multifamily. Sure. You and know, That's, that's kind of what I
0: expect to, Look, to see. Look, we, we love living
1: in a warehouse from the 1920s. <laughs> sure, sure. Somebody in 2050 is going to love to live in part of River Falls Mall.
0: <laughs> you can make that your, your next estate, Lincoln. Y- yeah. The, the River Falls yeah. Lincoln no, no. I'm, fo- I'm focused. <laughs> I'm
1: focused on a spot just a little south from there, right on the river, right, right on the river, right. just a little bit further south. That's where retired Lincoln will be.
0: <laughs> but really, you know, uh, ne- necessity is the mother of invention. So, mm-hmm. you know, it will it will work itself out mm-hmm. uh, somehow, some way. There's some really smart people out there, a lot smarter than me, and yep. uh, hopefully, they're <laughs> they they will, will come up with solutions for us. And I
1: think automation will be a big part of our lives more than we realize. And I, I'm, I'm a geek at learning and watching videos about robotics and uh, the automation of how we take care of each other and seniors and how we integrate AI and robotics in the next 10 to 25 years mm-hmm. is going to flat blow our mind make sure that I'm very clear with everybody listening to your podcast that if you're not paying attention to that element of our daily lives you should be yeah, you because be. you're going to wake up one day and you're going to have a robot well we got all kinds of robots in our house now you know
0: yeah well and on that note and this is something that I hadn't even planned on on talking about but since you brought that up let's apply that to the real estate industry it's changing and changing very quickly
1: yeah oh my god every
0: day and more and more they're trying to take the human element out of it yeah. trying to take the the local mom and pop brokerage out of the out of the equation mm-hmm. so where do you personally see that going in the next 5 to 10 years
1: mm. you know with the emergence of companies like this Redfin and Zillow getting in the game um it kind of freaks me out i don't like the corporatization mm-hmm. of it I don't know if you know this about me but i kind of like local stuff. But I think that it begins and ends with us as real estate professionals today to look out for those five, 10, 15, 20 years from now in the future, whether we'll be in the business or not. And we look out for them by saying, we have to be real to our clients. Mm -hmm. We have to talk to them. We have to communicate with them more so than a text message at 930 at night. You know, we have got to communicate with people all the time, all day. And if you want to be replaced by a robot or AI, don't do that right now. But if you do that, I think that will be, that will help us. And, um, you know, I feel okay. You know, I got another, I don't know, however many years, 15, 20, 30 years. Who knows? I'll always be putting deals together. But it's important for me to now at this other part of my career, 30 years in, now the end is, What can I do to make this industry better in my practices for people that are coming on with it? And some people, I've done thousands of transactions. I love doing transactions with new folks and new agents because it gives me the opportunity to help teach them about, look, don't make this mistake. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I'm learning every day. There are people who teach me stuff every single day. Todd Paxton, with the work he does, I learn from Todd on a regular basis. The moment that I quit learning... And wanting to teach somebody else, be time to go to Tybee sure. Island.
0: And that's, and I've, I've said this over and over. People probably get sick of hearing me say it, but that's the cool thing about the real estate business is whether you've been in the business four days or 40 years, you learn something new every day. You and do. And <laughs> you never know everything. Um, no, you uh, don't. And and, and that's, to me, that's stimulating. That, that yeah. keeps you going. It keeps, the, keeps things fresh and new. And I think getting back to what we were just talking about, I, I think there's always going to be that need and desire for that human element in mm-hmm. real estate, you know, sure Zillow can can post a home and, and they can buy a home and put it back up for sale on their website and do the whole I buyer thing. But people don't realize the work that kind of goes on behind the scenes. With the agents oh, yeah. on the ground, going back to what we talked about earlier when you helped me w- with mm-hmm. my purchase of this mm-hmm. home, people, it, there's a that's where we earn our money, mm-hmm. and so I don't think that will ever entirely go away, mm-hmm. and that's why I think you really need to figure out right now how you're going to provide value to folks.
1: Well, and if it doesn't last forever, it's going to be one of the last elements to go. So. You know, I'm okay. Anything in this real estate market after 2050, (laughs) I'm done. I'm good. It's all good.
0: And I, you know, I'm fairly new in the business. This is only my beginning (laughs) of my third year. So that's a big deal to me is trying to figure out how to position myself for the future.
1: Well, I'll tell you how I think you do it. Here's how you do it. You focus every single thing you can on being the best person that you can for your community And for your clients that you serve every day. And if you do that, regardless of what's going to happen technology wise, people see value in what you have to offer. And that's why I'm such a big, you know, proponent of all this local movement stuff. Mm -hmm. Zillow, Silicon Valley, everybody all over. They can do all they want. But you know what? They're not running into somebody at Kroger needs my help exactly they're not there for them can be it's ai it's just not real to yet it's not this Mm -hmm. dimension it's another dimension but it's not this and i just work really hard to provide that service and so the way i do it is i try as much as possible to patronize my local restaurants go to my local watering holes you know buy business buy things from folks locally as much as possible i buy a little bit on amazon but if i can avoid it I do. I believe in the small business owner. Who's your hardware? You know, we're there all the time getting stuff for our business. I just believe that local is so important, and I think one of the reasons why it's so important is because all of these studies tell us that it's important to the millennials and the Gen Z.
0: Sure, and and Lincoln isn't just giving lip service to this. He's he's the real deal. I mean, he's been Thanks. preaching this for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, when you first started doing your your formally about ten years, we've been doing it formally ten years. And to me, you know, you're Mister Jeffersonville. Yeah,
1: I like that. (laughs) I like that. I'll take it. You know, and you earned it. Yeah. Well, we sold a lot of property. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many, couple hundred in the past ten years in the the downtown area, hundred and fifty or so. I just moved down there. We lived in the suburbs. The crash got us. Crash got us, man. Mm -hmm. So we moved downtown. And I decided that I was gonna be the downtown Jeffersonville person. And I just got involved and started making silly videos, going to the farmers markets, talking to as many people as possible, being present, you know. And, and that's huge. It's so huge, just being present. And it really has worked. And the city paid me back. Mm-hmm. All the community members paid me back. They paid me back with commissions. They paid me back with, you know, supporting my business sharing what we do with other people they pay me back by the hugs that I get when I go to a Jeff high game, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the stuff that drives me every day. That's what drives local economy. So when I hear all this other lip service, jibber jabber about stuff that do does not have any impact on my daily life with my wife and my kids and my grandkids, man, put that stinking thinking somewhere else. Lincoln's thinking some positive vibes and it's all ingrained in local. And it's all because I grew up on a farm. Yeah. Planted those seeds that you pick vegetable farm, helping people go into market with my grandfather and his big truck, you know, the soybeans, all of that, all of that were the basic fundamentals of being a local business owner and business person and community member. And so you know, I've tried certain things that have worked and certain things that haven't, but the one thing that's always worked is my allegiance to being a local.
0: Well, and that, you know, you've, I'm, I'm sure everyone's heard the expression, all politics are local. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that applies everywhere else. Everything. Uh, uh, the, the real estate market is local. You can ask me, well, how's the market? Well, what do you, where?
1: <laughs> yeah. And what part all, of the market? Yeah. yeah.
0: And you, and I've learned this, you make change at the local level it's like trying to steer uh, an aircraft carrier as opposed to a small fishing boat. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where the change is made from the ground up. If if we sit and wait for the change to come from the top down, it's never going to happen.
1: Yeah, it doesn't. And, you know, that's why I like keeping my company size at this five to 10 range because I can move it on a dime. There's a couple times where we've had to change our, Focus and direction with this online auction business. And with 10 or less people, you can make a decision that we're going to do this this week, this next week, and this the third week. In 30 days, you have completely changed the transition of your company and your course. Mm-hmm. And if you're a small business owner and you got your eyes on the things that are important, you're, you know, creating as much income as you can, cutting all the expenses that you can, being a smart business owner. If you can do that, you can navigate it. But you get bigger. That's why well, all my friends that own these big real estate companies locally, and I hear from them, and they call me. I'm like, yeah, man, I was sailing into <laughs> 2009 with that. I feel you. I'm good. I got one agent under me right now, and it's just me and uh, uh, Matt McMahon does some uh, a little bit of brokerage with me. And but f- as far as having a bunch of agents, I've been there. I'm good. I'll leave that to better management people than myself.
0: Sure, sure. And as someone who works for a, a large... One of my locally favorites. Owned yeah, locally owned brokerage. Yeah. Um, a franchise that. affiliate. That's are you sure. guys ERA powered? Yes, yes we are. Yeah. yeah, Yes. So, and this is kind of getting away from real estate, but the conversation we just had, it kind of brings me back to a change that happened in my life a couple of years ago. And that was realizing that we've already kind of touched on this you can't change the world the no. only thing you can do is worry about yourself change yourself yeah uh, change your local uh, community change your local economy and if everyone would just do that then you'd see you'd see the huge change yeah the whole world could change yeah and it, it starts in the, I know this sounds sappy or whatever but it's one person at a time worry about yourself well, and you, the others around you
1: you know it leads into a good story I've got about you. Uh Uh-oh,
0: here we go. I saved this towards the
1: (laughs) end for a reason. But uh, five, six years ago, I decided that I was going to try to run for office and Mm -hmm. for a very non-political recorder office. And I went to D.C. to see my daughter, and that was before you got in real estate. And you were pretty charged up about certain political things, and you had sent me a note, hey, safe travels in D.C. I said, thanks, man. you know, And we just conversed back and forth. And then not shortly thereafter, you had started talking about getting the real estate business. And I don't know if I'd said, you know, politics and, and real estate sometimes tough, or I just sent that to you mm-hmm. through telepathy.
0: <laughs>
1: but you stopped immediately. And uh, it was almost like you had an awakening that, okay, now wait a minute, there are certain things I can change and most things I can't. One thing I do know that I have control and power on is myself and my wife and my family and all the things that we do and all that other stuff that I've been giving lip service to. Whoo, I'm tired of that. I saw that in you. Absolutely. It was cool.
0: Yeah. And it's made a huge, huge change in my life. I'm a much happier person now. You know, isn't that crazy?
1: (laughs) So when I turned 40 10 years ago, I had a very strong focus problem. I couldn't focus on what I needed to do what I wanted to do. And video kind of harnessed me in that and allowed me to self-correct and get on. And so I was good. I'm good on focus now, I mm-hmm. believe. Balance at 50. Mine is balance right. the next 10 right. years. Find balance in my work. Find balance in my life. Find balance in my kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Find balance in you know, my grandkids who are well, my wife, you know, I mean, they, they just they're the happiest thing that make me smile on mm-hmm. the planet. Those are the things that really count.
0: It is. And, and the way you treat others. And that's that's what mm-hmm. I decided to make. I, I decided to make that the foundation of my life. But also my real estate business is the golden rule. It's treat others the way you want to be treated. And really, it's that daggone simple.
1: It is. You know, there is a uh, asterisk to the golden rule. My dad always told me this is my favorite quote of his. He'd say, uh, it's the golden
0: rule, Lincoln. Those with the gold rule. Make the rules, yep. Ain't that crazy? <laughs> Absolutely.
1: But um, it is all about the golden rule of being, hey, let's all be good to each other. Can we just be good to each other? Can yeah. we be good locals to each other? I don't care what you think about nationally. I don't care what you think about where. Just... When I see you, give me a smile and a right. hug and know that we all have our own struggles. And we all know internally that we're probably wrong about most of what we think <laughs> about. So give me a little bit of love today yep. and let's keep on
0: rolling. And it's all about it just being in that moment, you yeah, know? being present. Yep.
1: You know, Buddhism talks about it the most, just being present, being Dale Carnegie, taught about living in daytight compartments. You get in trouble when you start worrying about things that are going to happen in the future, that if this happens and that happens, and what if this happens next thing, you know, you've got disaster. that's never happened. Sure. sure. You know, so being present, good point.
0: And, uh, yeah, I mean, me and Misty Stanley talked about that on the last episode, just (laughs) worry about now. You can't, you certainly can't control the past, and mm-hmm. you know you. Thank yes, goodness you do have a small measure of control over your future, but just be present and and be the best, be the best you can be in this moment. Yeah, man, that's yeah.
1: what I do every day.
0: <laughs> so, uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on you you shared an article on social media the other day, and it talked about how we purchase things with our time, oh, not man. money, mm-hmm. and uh, that. That hit home with me and, I, and that's something that I say a lot is time is your most valuable and precious commodity. You are never going to get time back. You can always make more money, but you only have a limited amount of time in this world and you don't know how much that is. So that article that you shared really, really hit home with me. And, uh, I just would like to encourage people to try to try to remember that. Think about that on a daily basis.
1: If we can, let's let's post a link to that article sure. oh, when you post this. Yes. Todd Paxton, I saw it on his page. And uh, I went to a um, Dave Ramsey class a couple uh, months ago with my daughter. And, you know, we all struggle sometimes with money, sometimes better than others. And I've I've been the lowest of low and the highest of highs. And what I have found now is it's all about being accountable for the money that you spend. And so my wife and I, two months ago, for the most part, 95% quit eating out. I cook all our meals, cook all our family meals, cook meals for my mom in the nursing home, all of that. And the reward that that gives me is fantastic. That time that I get to prepare food for people in my family and feed them, that two or three hours every day that I do that, is worth so much more than a $40 dinner tab. And that's not taken away from any restaurant owner there is. But it's our time that we invest. And if we don't do that on a regular basis, we're going to be sorry mm-hmm. because you're right. It's a shame. It takes you to about 40, 45 to realize, damn, time goes quick. I mean, the longest days and our longest, what is it, longest days and shortest years when sure. your kids are little? Mm-hmm. And um, we all, next thing you know, we're all a certain age when we look back and we think, well, how that happened so fast? I think the last 15 years, with Lisa and I and all the awesome things we've done, but man, we've been busy Yeah, and And it it, has gone by quick.
0: It goes quick. And that's something I struggle with on a daily basis. So you know, you're in real estate. I have sacrificed a lot of time over the past few Mm -hmm. years that I could have been helping my wife run the kids back and forth to practices or having meals. And, you know, it's a trade-off. There are other things that I've gained I'm a lot more flexible now. I can yeah, go, yeah. I can attend things at the, at the kid's school, or I can run and pick them up during the day if I need to. So it's a trade-off, but it's, it's a constant battle to be present. It especially is. in this business. Yeah. Because it can be 24 seven.
1: Yeah. And I try to find it in, uh, you'll find after about five years in this business, you'll get your flow down with your family and mm-hmm. all that. And I, I don't miss that stuff. I don't miss kids stuff. With my granddaughters. I don't miss it. And you know, I, I, work real hard every day. So someday I can be in Maryland and see my grandson up mm-hmm. there in his school stuff. That's why we do what we do people. Sure. That's why we're here. We are here to be with those that we love and be present. And, um, it is a trade off. I work so I can do this. So then when you look at it, like I had to work X amount of hours for Outback for a $80, dinner at Outback with a bottle of cheap wine that you could get for a fourth of that in a liquor store. Mm-hmm. I worked all of that for that. Come on, man. And, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey says it better than anybody, you know, just pay attention to what you put your money towards. And we try to do that as a business. We tried to do that personally in our house and um, so that that article really broke it down for me because it was able to show what your time is. Re- you're really willing mm-hmm. to give up this for that time. So, you know, like people have all this money they invest in their house and they want to go on vacation. They want to get away from their house. Sure. I mean, it doesn't make much sense. I love my house. I love living in my house. Right. It's my biggest investment. Might as well get as much out of it as possible. On that note, I took my uh, truck to Big O the other day and got new uh brakes on it and they said they were 99% wore out on the front and a hundred percent wore out on the back. I go, yeah, I came in hot, but I said I got all my money's worth out of those brakes. Get all your money's worth out of your time. Get all your money's worth out of your time. If you can do that, you'll be as happy as Glenn Hawkersmith.
0: <laughs> and I think I think that is a perfect place to end this interview. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Link and I really, really appreciate you stopping by today if people want to get a hold of you they can you have a website Lincolncolro.com yep. and that takes you to the auction and the real estate rep yep. website as well yep. right uh, they can email you at Lincoln at you're on Instagram Lincolnro auctions among yep. other yeah I got a couple <laughs> uh, among other handles people can find you and uh, Facebook Lincolnrom Realty and auctions if you have any yeah. any needs for uh his TikTok.
1: Services. TikTok, Snapchat, man, I'm You're on, on it them all. Oh, huh? I'm on it all.
0: Snapchat's one I just can't. I know they say you have to be on it, but I, I just can't do it.
1: It's there's just a couple people in my life that that's the only way I communicate right. with them. You know yeah. how it
0: is. And you have to you have to kind of conform to that if you want to be yeah. if you want to stay in contact with them.
1: See, you got to remember, I speak all generations' languages. Sure. Everybody
0: from five up,
1: they're all clients. If they're not clients now, they're future clients. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, on getting a hold of me, I'll tell you this and I'll leave on this note. If you ever need to get a hold of me, just come to downtown Jeffersonville, sit somewhere in a highly visible location and wait 15 minutes. Think about me. Wait 15 <laughs> minutes. I can assure you I'll show up with a smile on my face ready to give you a hand. It's,
0: it's like the bat signal. It's, it like is. The, it's not the bat, it's the beard. It's just the beard. throw up the beard signal. So, Lincoln, we're going to, on, on the outro, um, I've started a new feature. We're going to start trying to play some music from local awesome. artists. And you happen to have a son yeah, who is a, a, a really good musician. He's got a band. Why don't you tell us a little bit about them? And, and yeah. we're going to leave the show with a with a song from them.
1: Their name is Greyhaven. And uh, four awesome guys. My son is Ethan Spray. He plays the drums. He's an amazing, self-taught, fantastic drummer and um, has a beautiful SJC kit. And they tour all over the country, hopefully Europe someday. And their first album has done real well and their uh, views on their videos has done real well. And there's a couple of my favorite songs. We'll play one of these for you and uh, make sure you check out Grey Haven.
0: All right, Lincoln, thanks a lot. I appreciate you stopping in. Hope you have a great day. Thanks, Glenn. All right. Thanks again, Lincoln Crumb. I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you, the listener, did as well. Putting the PuttingTheRealInRealEstate.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us wherever you like to download or stream your favorite podcast. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Give us a review. Share us with your friends. We're going to head out today with a little tune called White Lighters from Ethan Spray and Greyhaven. <laughs>